Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you, David? I'm doing great. It's uh, been a little bit, but we're back with another uh, Survivor episode recap. Well, not a recap, but sort of discussion. And uh, we don't have a guest this week, but we will be having one for the next episode. We're going to be talking to our friend Ben Watchersworth from Survivor Oz. Uh, host of that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun to talk to him again. We talked to him last season. But uh, yeah, that'll be a good time. I, I remember uh, he's got some some of the best knowledge of the game. I think, and just in terms of memory and um, procedural knowledge of the game, it's kind of fun to talk to him because he can recall on everything he knows. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. So uh, that will be exciting to talk to him. Um, but uh, before we get to that, that's for a different podcast, we're going to be talking about this most recent episode of Survivor, Kagayan. Uh, spoiler alert, we had Jeffra get blindsided and Tony once again turn on his alliance. Um, so we're going to be discussing the ins and outs of this, and let's start with first, who gets credit for this blindside, Tony or Spencer? I think it's a combination of the two. I'd give partial credit to both of them. Um, I'm I would I would be a little bit more cautious to give full credit to Tony only because he's ha- he had the power all along, right? So giving him credit for the blind side would have been just as much as giving him credit for voting off Spencer, right? Like it was his decision to make all along in t- terms of whether or not he actually did it. I do think Spencer did a really good job of uh, convincing Tony to flip and giving him reasons why. I also think that Tasha talking to the girls was a very strategic decision on Spencer and Tasha's part in order to give Tony that little scare he needed to make that move. Yeah, we never actually saw them talk about, hey, this is our strategy. Tasha, you go hang out with the girls. I'm going to plant seeds. But you think they'd have to talk some, or otherwise they just randomly came up with the same strategy on their own. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good. And I think it, I think it was mutually beneficial for all of them. Um, so I, I, I don't think, oh, you know, Spencer convinced Tony to do this horrible move. Um, I think that Tony now has a better shot um, of w- if they get to the final four, if he can if he can keep Cass and Trish on his side and Wu, I think he has a better chance with those three. And the, the problem was, while I don't think there was a, a female alliance with Tasha, I think there was definitely talks of the three women taking out Tony, you know, right before the finals. Right. Yeah, I think Tony's got... I think Tony's best shot is with Cass and Wu or Trish in the finals, but I don't think he's going to make that choice only because, I mean, all of the previews point to a big Cass versus Tony kind of showdown. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure what's going to happen is they're going to vote for Tony, but Tony's going to use some idols, and uh, I would say my best get is either Cass or Tasha's going home. Yeah, I think that's a pretty that's probably a pretty good guess. But who knows? I'm not spoiled, so I don't know anything. But that was that's just a prediction. But um, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty entertaining. I thought it was a uh, good. Other than seeing Tony's confessionals a million times, I thought it was a pretty pretty good episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I really enjoy. I'm enjoying the entire season, even the episodes that end predictably. Um, I really like, but I mean the challenges have been good this season. The other problem, all of the, they've had a good mix of challenges. If you look at all the challenges together, the problem is all of the immunity challenges have been some sort of balance or kind of just standing there not doing anything. Whereas all the reward challenges have been the one that are like physical with puzzles. If they mix that up a little bit more, I'd be a lot more happy. I, I think that's probably why Tasha has been winning so much. Yeah, not that she's not competent, but. Part of me thinks that may be a production thing of um, if if they're doing tribal council and the immunity challenge in the same day, they want one that's a little easier to clean up, easier and shorter. Yeah, shorter to run even that 
that could be useful for that. I don't know. Just the yeah. random theory. But yeah, I, I agree. I like that they actually have uh, reward challenges, though, so that we get to see some of these physicals. Because last year, my complaint was all we got was the immunity, and they were always standing and balancing, you know? Right. And that we didn't get to see. And then the other challenges we got to see were duels, which are even lamer. So. <laughs> no, I did. I think this immunity challenge was better than the previous ones in that, like, there was kind of that suspenseful. Uh, ball table thing. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, standing and holding a block with your head. You're just kind of waiting for someone to fall. But yeah, it's still, it's not the, you know, go swim out, grab a bag of puzzle pieces. It's not that type of challenge that we kind of know and love in Survivor. Yeah. Well, in this upcoming episode, the reward challenge is going to be throwing beanbags at a puzzle to knock it down, and then yes. you have to pick put the puzzle back together. So we're Yeah, once once one team completely knocks down the other team's puzzle, then they switch and they have to put the puzzle back up. Yeah. Right? Or I think it's a time limit maybe even. It's just when No, I, I based on what I saw it was who, who one, one team completely had to knock down the other team's puzzle and then they switched. Okay. But it it's a, I mean it's an interesting idea for a challenge. I like that they're trying new challenges, even if some yeah. of them are Amazing! I really do like that. Yeah, it's good. Well, I was saying that that one's a little, a uh, little more standing than uh, our previous reward challenge. So maybe the immunity challenge this upcoming season will be a little more physical. Hopefully. Hopefully. But um, yeah, let's see. Any other? Was there anything Jeffra could do to save herself? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe not hanging out with the women as much, but that would have probably alienated Tosh and, uh, sorry, Trish and Cass. I don't know. I don't know that there was anything she could do. Yeah, I mean, she said that she had talked to uh, Tony and Wu and got it all settled and they were good, but I, I wonder, I think she could have tried to build more of a relationship with Tony still even. I mean, it's it's one thing to settle your beef and say that you're good, but it's another thing to to build a genuine relationship where he feels you can trust him. You know. Yeah. And so I don't really know what relationship <laughs> Tony and Jeffrey had. They didn't really show that relationship, other than her being upset that LJ was blindsided. So, but I would think that there wasn't a huge friendship and camaraderie there between them. <laughs> Right. But any other standout moments from this past uh, episode? Not anything that really uh, sticks out to me. I mean, I'm just overall really enjoying this season. I think this is probably one of the best in uh, recent history, if not the best in recent history. Um, a little edited towards Tony, but I'm okay with that. He's a he's an entertaining enough character, and not as much, you know. A lot, that was one of the big complaints with Russell, and I feel like Tony's entertaining enough that he doesn't fall into all of the traps that Russell fell into, so he's still kind of fun to watch. He doesn't fall into all the traps, and I would also agree that, that it hasn't been, whereas Samoa, I think, was consistently, he would get a ridiculous amount of confessionals. Like this season, I mean, this most recent episode, we had huge Tony, but there were some other ones where you know he wasn't the star of every single episode. Right, the pre-merge was really, really evenly edited. Um, yeah. I think someone calculated at the pre-merge where, like, the person who had the most confessionals had about 20, and the person who had the least had, like, 13, which is probably the smallest spread we've ever seen um, yeah. a pre-merge season B. So pre-merge, it was really good. Post-merge, it's been a little bit more heavily weighted towards Cass for the first couple and then Tony. Yeah. And and Spencer's had quite a through throughout as well, so he's, like, right. the, the secondary... But yeah, what do you think of of Trish? What's her next move? To get Wu or Tony back. Yeah, I think she has no shot against Tasha and Spencer. So the only thing that she has to do is try to get them reconciled with Cass, and the four of them stay strong. You know, as right. much as like Trish can be upset that Tony blindsided and seek revenge, that's actually not going to help her win the game. Right. Um, I, I completely agree, and I think 
if Trish were to swing Wu over, then Trish can make a really good argument in the final three against Wu and Cass and have a really good shot at winning that final three. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we sh- we saw in the previews them trying to convince Wu to flip on Tony. Um, it's sort of... The audience is at an interesting point because we know, oh, look, they could change the game around and flip. Oh, wait, Tony has two idols, and one of them secures that he's absolutely not going home. So right. So sort of we're in this uh, ridiculous <laughs> dilemma here of we, we sort of want everyone to turn on Tony, but we know that he's not actually going to go home. Right, and he even uh, admits to the group that he has the special idol in the next episode. Yeah, it was in the extended preview. It was like the minute-long preview after Parvati's after show. Oh. Yeah, and he admits to the group. It's the same scene where him and Cass are fighting. Okay. And he admits that he has the special idol. Um, So that's... That could change their strategy, obviously. Yeah, that's an interesting strategy. Right. But he can't give away the special idol. He can give away his uh, regular idol, though. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that will be interesting to see. You had predicted Wu to to win, and I predicted Jeremiah, and obviously he's out. But uh, what do you think of Wu's chances right now? Because, honestly, I don't think they're very good. Yeah, I I thought they were better when Jeffro was still in the game. Um, I thought there was a way Wu could like finagle a Jeffra cast final three um, by those four by those three and Tony going to the final four and then flipping on Tony. And I think he would have won that in a landslide. Yeah. As I think about it now, assuming everyone's theories on Tasha being as popular as she is are correct. I don't think probably Wu would win in a final three. He'd have to do something really strategically, like something really strategic in the next couple um, weeks. For example, I think if he were to convince like Tony to give him his idol, I could see that being something that the jury would respect. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, there's not much. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's. At this point, he's more goat than anything else. I don't know that I call him a goat. I think he'll still steal a couple votes, especially if he goes with Cass and Trish. I think Trish would win probably on like a six. Is there eight or nine jury members? There's eight. So I think Trish would probably win on like a five-three um, against Wu. But it, yeah, I still think Trish would win. All right, here's the question: Is there any chance that this is a final two? That's been a question that's kind of been circulating all season with the four-person finale. My theories are either it's a final two or something really, really big happens in the finale to fill that time. Because the finale's no shorter, is it? It's still uh, no, be- it's still two hours. But we've had this sort of before uh, with a couple other seasons where they've done four. Like, I think China was that way. They got down to four in the finale, but it was a final three. So we've seen it a couple times before where they just have, like, an extra challenge for an advantage or, right. or something like that. I, I hope mean, that's not Kara the case. I Moen was kind of a final four because yeah. Eric got medevaced within five minutes of the show starting. Exactly, yeah. But even... I think it would be really good just to keep people on their toes... Because we've had how many seasons in a row now since 19 18. up to now? Well, 18 was the last time. So from right. 19, season 19 up through season 27, we've had final three. To, to keep people on their toes, I think it would be fantastic to have a final two. That I don't think... Well, I think it would... I mean, you think they're going to film two more seasons... Over the summer of 2014. So they're going to film two more seasons over the next couple months. Yep. And it's a very high likelihood that one of those seasons is going to be, you know, some sort of big, maybe all winners, maybe, you know, best of the best, all-star style season, especially because season 30 is going to be big is what they're saying. Yep. To have a final two right now would throw a wrench into everyone's game plan. Everyone who's returning, it would be crazy, I think. Yeah, I think it would be fantastic. I hope I hope they do it. I think that would be phenomenal. But I'm not holding my breath. I would say that there's an 80% chance that we are getting a final three. 
I yeah, I'd probably even go maybe a little bit higher in the percentage, but yeah. Yeah. Um what do you think about Cass? She was you know, I knew Spencer wasn't going home just because they were showing Cass being so demeaning towards him, you know, this whole past episode and and everything. And you knew you knew that, you know, either A, the audience wants us to think that what Cass is saying is justified and, like, she gets what she deserves, or B, the audience wants her <laughs> to have egg, or she they want the audience to see her have egg on her face. And I'm pretty sure it's the second one. So Yeah. But it will be either, interesting. Either giving a reason she loses in a final three or giving a reason that Spencer wins, I think. Yeah. Well, and it will also be interesting to see, do you think she'll buddy up with her old brains next uh, next episode? I can't imagine she'd go back to Spencer and Tosh. Um, she got comfortable, and that was, like, I think that's her number one mistake. Her yeah. move was made far too early in the game, and she got comfortable. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, to her credit, she obviously hasn't... She's not the uh, sixth person in that alliance. <laughs> right. Considering now there's only four of them left. Um but yeah, if you pick a fight with Tony, you may not last long, Cass. And I think it would actually be pretty fascinating to see Cass get out and we lose another goat. And the only other real goat potentially is Wu, who could right. still get a couple votes, but I mean it's not like a standout. And then and then maybe Tony's a goat at this point if he's, you know, rubbed enough people the wrong way. Right, and that's the thing. I don't think Tony can win this game. I'm in the minority on that, I think. Um, and I feel like people are going to be mad when Tony doesn't win the game in terms of like the majority of the fan base. They're not going to be happy. I will say this. I think Tony, depending on this next vote, if if Tasha and Spencer are both in the final five, I think it's going to be near impossible for Tony to win. I agree. Um, if he is able to get one of them out, then I think there's a chance. If Tasha went out this next episode, I think there's still a chance he could win. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he'd have to be in the finals with Wu and Cass. Yes, yeah. Which is, at this point, I think going to be a difficult scenario for him to navigate if he realizes that. Yeah. All right, let's see. Is there anyone else on this uh, season we've talked about or we haven't talked about yet? I don't think so. Kudos to, to Tasha for keeping her immunity streak. Yeah, do you think she... I mean, if she wins immunity next week, she'll tie the most number of immunities won in a season for a female. She gets two more, then she'll obviously beat the record. So, good for her. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Tasha's going to be out in the next two votes. I could be wrong. But if she continues her immunity run, I think she's she's probably going to win the game. Yeah, I would agree. But I think it would be a difficult choice between her and Spencer, but yeah. Yeah. But we've seen people get in more like petty arguments with Spencer, though, than we have with Tasha. Yeah, and I mean, it all goes down to how articulate people are in the final three, right? Like, I think that holds a lot more weight, especially this season, than people are ever willing to admit. Yeah. So, any other thoughts you have on this season? Nope. All right. Well, we will be uh, continuing to watch and enjoy, and we will be back uh, this next week with... Ben Watersworth from Survivor Oz to talk with him about the most recent episode. But before we end, we are going to do some casting of fake future All-Star seasons. So we're going to do we're going to cast two different seasons. We are going to uh, they're going to be All-Stars. The first one is going to be uh, the next battle of the sexes, men versus women. This is going to be the first time we have an All-Star battle of the sexes. So uh, Jeff has come up with the list of men for this Battle of the Sexes season, and I have come up with a list of women. And we're going to 
limit this one to mainly first one-timers, people who've only played the, the, the game once and will be coming back for a second time. So we're not going to be... You're not probably going to be seeing Stephanie LaGrosa and Rupert on this Battle of the Sex this season. Well, now I have to change my list. Well, I'm sorry. You're the male, so you shouldn't have Stephanie LaGrosa on your list, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Anyways, so why don't we alternate back and forth. Jeff, who is the first male that is going to be on this All-Star season? Yes, well, when I was creating my male tribe, I really wanted to... Um kind of get a good expanse of people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different strengths, a lot of different weaknesses. So for my first one, I went for a Survivor castaway from Survivor Guatemala, and that is someone who's never been brought back. That's Rafe Judkins. And uh, I think Rafe would be good for this season because he doesn't really provide that macho stereotype that I think the men tribe always falls victim to. But he's got a good head on his shoulders, he's smart, he's a social player, and I think he can uh, really help the men tribe where I think they're weak in other places. Very good. I have no problem with Rafe. As I go to my first female, I'm going to start off by being uh, giving someone that's a producer's dream, someone that always is going to cause drama, and I'm going to go with Abby Maria Gomez from Survivor Philippines. This is going to be a fun season, I can already tell. Yeah. We need her in a tribe of all women. That she's gonna create some catty drama, and I think it'll be very good uh, and interesting to see her on. She may not last very long, but <laughs> especially not if Arthur sees on the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> Who's well, my second male? Someone who I think is gonna bring a lot of humor to the tribe. Um, good at challenges. Good, you know, not exactly the most strategic player in the world. And that's uh, Eddie Fox from Season 26, Karamoan. And, um, you know, I think one of the reward challenges should be a trip to the dog bar. Hmm. Eddie Fox. All right, I could see him again. Not like, not one of my favorite characters, but I, I can go for him. He, he's one of those stereotypical, more hunky, beefy male. Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to go with another woman, and we need an older woman, uh, and we need someone who has experience with this gender division. So we're going to go back to the Amazon and cast Dina Bennett on this season. I love Dina. Yeah, I think she definitely deserves another shot. I think it would be interesting to see her reaction when she finds out she's again going to be on a tribe of all women. <laughs> and uh, just her with Abby Maria should be really fun. Yeah. Well, my third male is someone who I think is going to bring uh, a lot of athleticism to the tribe and a lot of humor as well. I'm, I've got a Bobby very... Donaldson. No. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of humorous people in my tribe. Um, someone who I think should be brought back and wasn't. Uh, I can understand why he wasn't because he kind of quit, but not really. Uh, it's Ian Rosenberger. Ian Rosenberger. Interesting. I'm a big fan of Ian, so uh, yeah, I'm okay with him being on the season. Let's go with another female. We gotta have like a really young person on this season, right? We can't have just older people, so I think we're gonna go with someone else who is on a all or a male versus woman season, and someone who was just <laughs> just was beat upon beat upon beat down <laughs> the whole season. I think we should give her another chance. Let's go with Christina Cha. I can see Christina being brought back only because yeah, she does need another chance. She was not exactly the uh, the most loved person on her season. Yeah, and I think if she's with Abby Maria, automatic target on someone else. She won't be the the most hated person on her tribe. Right. Well, my um my fourth gentleman is uh well the first of two people from Survivor Thailand, and this person is uh but both of my people on Survivor Thailand never played together. They were never on the same tribe, and that is uh my first one is Rob Zbachnik. 
Hmm. And I picked him because of his athleticism, his humor, and also the fact that the fact that he hasn't been brought back is almost a crime against humanity. Well, he is a pre-merge boot there, Jeff, and he's from Francesca Thailand. Is brought back, David. And he's from Thailand, which is strike two. So, in the producers' minds, Thailand is not a gold mine. <laughs> That's they're wrong. Thailand's <laughs> hilarious. I'm just saying, I I'm I don't hate Thailand, but I'm just saying. <laughs> From Jeff Probst and the producers, uh, I don't think they're like, let's go back to Thailand and find a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Only right. two. I'm going to go with uh, my last one. I tried to get one f uh, female from every male versus female season, and I thought someone who I think could uh, play a very good game and maybe could go all the way uh, the last season is obviously Survivor Vanuatu, and I am going with Julie Berry. Yeah, Julie definitely is a, a social player. Um, I wonder, though, how that would play since she and Jeff used to date. I wonder how that would, how they would interact during Tribal Council. Yeah, thankfully, Jeff uh, isn't actually playing the game, and he's already married, so there won't be too much bitterness on his end, I wouldn't think. Yeah, but on her end, who knows? We don't know how that relationship ended. <laughs> she just votes Jeff at every tribal council. <laughs> right. Or when, whenever she tries to play an idol, he just throws it in the fire and goes, No! Okay. My fifth man, second guy from Thailand, the winner of Survivor Thailand, one of the best strategic masterminds, and I think someone who's going to provide a lot of strategy on kind of a pretty strategic lacking tribe, right? I think this is someone who could be the head of the alliance is Brian Heideck. It's interesting that you put him on this season to me, Jeff. Yeah, and you're going to be even more interested once you see who I actually put on the Outwit season. But I picked this season first, so. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, uh, we're going to be doing another one coming up, and it's... Uh... I feel like Brian would be a little more uh, fitting for that one, but, you know, he can he can win this season just to prove how great he is. <laughs> All right, I am going to go with... I think my tribe needs a little crazy, Jeff. Every and tribe we, needs a little crazy. Yeah, we have Abby Maria, who's more sort of loud and vocal and annoying that way, but we need more, like, crazy. So we are going to put the one and only Courtney Merritt from Survivor Panama on this uh, <laughs> all-female tribe. And she'll try to be all like, dudes, come on, we're all, let's all just come together and everyone will hate her. So it'll be fun. <laughs> so it'll be fun. Okay. Well, speaking of crazy, I'm actually really happy you said that because my next person is also crazy. Um, my next person is the second person. I I'm pulling a lot from seasons that Survivor hasn't pulled from because I feel like they haven't pulled. You know, they, there's a lot of there's a lot of unused material there, and so it's the second person from Survivor Guatemala, probably the uh, the m loudest, maybe most. I, I don't know. I, he probably I would not want to live with him if, if I was on Survivor. I love watching him on TV. If I was on Survivor, I would not want to live with him. Judd Sargent. Judd is definitely a character. I, I'm all for him being on the season. I love Judd. All right. I think I'm going to choose another person who I could see coming back and being entertaining. So we're going to go with Jamie Dugan from Survivor China. Oh, okay. The person... I think my tribe is definitely going to strategically outwit yours. Oh, come on. What are you talking about? I have Dina. That's all we need. That's all you need. But you also have Christina and Jamie and Abby Maria and Courtney, who's probably just going to vote for the spirits every tribal council. <laughs> Shane Powers. <laughs> all right. So my next person is actually my second winner of three winners that I put on this season. Um, 
someone who I think also would have fit on my Outwit tribe, but I put him up here because I think that he would provide some really good social interaction with a lot of people. Not the best at challenges, but not bad at challenges. It depends on what challenges he's in. Um, and really good at overcoming a minority, which I thought would be important considering the fact that I thought you'd pick a good tribe, but after hearing your tribe may not actually be necessary, and that's Chris Doherty. Chris Doherty. See, I went... I'm looking at this from an entertainment side. How can we have the most entertaining season? I have Judd and Chris, so I think, and Eddie, so I think I'm good on the entertainment okay. side. Yeah, I like Chris a lot, so it'd be fun to see him back at any point. All right, you're complaining that I don't have enough uh, strategic people, so we're going to add a strategic person. This is... Is this uh, the mid... Is the audible? Um... Not exactly an audible since I ha I don't officially have my 10. I have like 15 or 16, and I'm just choosing them <laughs> as I go. Um, but this person is a winner, and I feel like she and Dina could get along well and control the whole game, and we are going to choose Sophie Clark. Yeah, I like Sophie. I don't know that Sophie will ever actually be brought back, but I really like Sophie. Yeah, I think she's good. She's a strategic player, and I think she could do well. And I think her and Dina would do well together on the all-female tribe because they're not—they don't fit like the mold of the like, like prissy, um, right? Like the Jenna and the Heidi of Survivor Amazon. Now that could outcast them, but okay, David, I'm gonna let you guess my next person. Okay. Jeff is making a list of people who have never been brought back who are male. Who do you think is going to be on that list? And you said there's three winners, right? Yep. That would be Bob Crowley. Correct! You know my, my love of Bob Crowley uh, is infinite, and I will put him on every list until CBS actually brings him back. Um, this has turned into Jeff's love tribe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and isn't it a wonderful tribe? Yeah. No, but Bob's a hard worker around camp. He's good at cha certain challenges, maybe not like the most physical challenges, but the puzzles and um, some of the balance challenges. And the dude, like, he plays Survivor as, like, his life. Like, when he lives out in Maine, which is where he lives, he's basically playing Survivor because he just lives in the woods, I'm pretty sure. Now he right, has a but, house, but... But couldn't Bob Crowley get get a Rudy-type thing coming back on an All-Stars where they're really... they're losing could, and, like, I could you know... See that happening. I could see that happening if Bob hadn't been playing Survivor for the past six years of his life. Like, the dude lives outside in the woods for fun. Okay. All right, I only have three spots left, and I have a lot of people, but I think I need to bring another strategic person in, so we're going to go with Sierra Easton from Survivor Blood vs. Water. I don't know that I'd qualify her as a strategic person, but I could definitely see her on that tribe. Okay, look at my tribe again. She's a strategic person. That's fair. <laughs> Relative strategy is still strategy. <laughs> Okay, well, my next person is also a person from Survivor Blood vs. Water. Could provide for some interesting cross-tribal alliances, because these two actually played together, and that is Hayden Moss. Hayden Moss. All right. I like Hayden a lot. All right, how many do I have left? Two? Only two left? Oh boy, I have a lot of good names here. People who aren't going to make it. It's a little sad. Um, how many older people do I have? I really only have one, right, Dina? I think we, I can add another older person. Someone who I think could be good at the game and is fun to watch. So we're going to add Holly Hoffman. I like Holly. Not exactly fitting that strategic mold, but fitting the crazy mold. Well... Holly's one that started off crazy and then became strategic and, and good at the game at the end. So it's sort of like uh, we don't know what we're going to get with her. It's unpredictable. That's fair. My last person um, is someone who I think is probably one of the most 
underrated and under-edited characters in the history of the show. His entire season, he was overshadowed by a hobbit on crack. So this uh, is Dave Ball, right? This is Danger Dave Ball. <laughs> Dave I think Ball. one of the funniest characters in the history of the show. I like it. Good choice. Dave Ball. My final choice. Ugh, this is where it's getting really hard. All right. You see my list, Jeff. What type of, what type of person do I need on my tribe? Well, you've got... I, you know, David, it wouldn't be a season of Survivor without some eye candy. Eye candy, okay. Then let's go with... Oh, I have two different ones. Let's, uh, let's go with someone who I think could, could do well on the game. Uh, we'll go with someone from this most recent season, Alexis Maxwell, the beauty herself. I don't... Okay, I guess if she's on your list, she's on your list. Are you saying you don't think she's eye candy? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I was saying I don't know why you'd bring her back. I think uh, I think if if she hadn't have gotten out in the position she, she was in, she could have been edited to be a little more entertaining. That's fair. But uh, some notable uh, people who didn't quite make it, Edna Ma, uh, our good friend, Aaron Lobdale, PG Law, and uh, Michelle Yee. Fortunately, they did not make the cut. So that is our male versus female Battle of the Sexes All-Stars season. We have on the male, Rafe, Eddie, Ian, Rob with two Bs, Brian Heideck, Judd, Chris Doherty, Bob Crowley, Hayden Moss, and Dave Ball. On the female, we have Abby Maria, Dina, Christina Cha, Julie Berry, Courtney Merritt, Jamie Dugan, Sophie Clark, Sierra Easton, Holly Hoffman, and Alexis Maxwell as the wild card. I think it could be a pretty interesting season there, Jeff. I think we've got some good characters. All right. So let's move on. Our next one is Strategic Masterminds versus Social Butterflies. This season would be the best, most strategic masterminds that the show has seen versus the best social players, people who are just very good at making friends and socializing and doing well in that area. So we have two tribes. Jeff has chosen Strategic Masterminds, and I am doing the Social Butterflies. You want me to start? Sure, Jeff. Why don't you start? First woman on my list is, I think, an obvious choice for Strategic Masterminds. The only person to ever win twice. Clearly, she has some good strategy. Sandra Diaz Twine. Sandra Diaz Twine. Can't argue with that one. Well, I'm glad we're starting on that note, because you're going to be able to argue with a lot of these. Well, you probably would be able to argue with some of mine, too. So let's start with someone who I think won just purely out of being their likable and social status, and that would be J.T. Thomas from Survivor Token Chains. I think he's, he plays really well with the social aspect of the game. He's charming, likable. People just naturally want to see him do well. My second girl is uh, the only non-winner of my outwit female tribe, surprisingly enough. Um, someone who I felt was on a season where there were a lot of strategic masterminds and she was still able to kind of be one of them and come up with some good ideas. I'm a little under-edited, Natalie Bolton. Natalie Bolton, all right. I guess I need to rewatch my Micronesia because I don't have as much love for Natalie as others do. I, I respect her and I think she played well, but I, just in my mind, you know, you had Parvati and you had Sari and you had Amanda, so it's so, sort of... She sort of fades out of the view as far as strategic... He goes. was instrumental in the uh, getting Eric to give up his immunity idol. She wasn't the person who came up with the idea, but she was the one who convinced... Or who, like, realized that it could actually work and actually executed the plan. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, um, I'm going to go with someone who is not really good at the strategic aspect at all. But I think as we saw his uh, second time around, he's just very good at being a social person and people uh, are okay with him. You know, they want to be with him and want him to go well. And that is, to your Natalie Bolton, I have Eric Reitenbach. Yeah. 
I think Eric had a shot at winning season 26. Yeah, until his unfortunate medical uh, emergency. And to be fair, I think if he would have been in the finals of, you know, the other one, I think he would have won. Probably. Unless it was, like, against three. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's just a very likable person, and people naturally want to see him do well. Yeah. My next female strategic mastermind is someone who is on a recent season, a winner, and that is Kim Spradlin, one of the uh, one of the more perfect quote unquote games of Survivor we've seen played. Yeah, that was someone who I actually also had on my list, but knew that you were probably going to take her, so I have to go with someone else. But yeah, she's someone who I think perfectly fits both categories, actually. Mm-hmm. So, my next person, I'm gonna go with someone who. I think is the definition of a social butterfly and how the social butterfly can beat the strategic mastermind, and that is Natalie White from Survivor Samoa. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. My next person, uh, also a recent winner, also a female, um, I think would fit also really well into the social butterfly category is Denise Stapley. Okay, no, choose someone else. (laughs) <laughs> is Denise on your list? Yes. Seriously. Then I'll put um, Sari on my list. No, choose someone else. <laughs> Why are you choosing the social butterflies, Jeff? Come on. You can't say Sari isn't an outwit person. But she's also, if you look at her first season, she's someone who was on the outs right at the beginning of her drive and managed to be likable and everyone liked her and wanted to see her go to the end. Yes, she has some strategy, but you're, you're taking away all my people, Jeff. Don't you have a list of like 15? You need to choose the strategic players, not the ones that have both, Jeff. I gave you Kim Spradlin. That's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> Jeez. Um, crap. Now I'm, now I'm in a pickle here. Well, let Uh, me go with my next one. I'm going to choose Denise Stapley, (laughs) winner of Survivor Philippines. What? What an outbearing, crazy pick. Yeah, I know. I think she's one... She was never in control of the game. She never was the mastermind of controlling Survivor Philippines, but she was always likable. She always... Even though she went to every single tribal council, she was never actually in jeopardy of being voted out. And that's what I think a social butterfly is all about. Okay, I'll play. I'll have who I had as my fifth, and this is going to be my most controversial, or at least I thought it would be my most controversial, because if you give the narrative that she actually uses and that people from her season use when they talk about her season, she's an incredibly strategic player. If you watch the season, you may not think so, and it's Vesepia Tori. All right. I have no problem with that. And I need to think of another female. I don't want to use Parvati. Um, Why? Because Parvati's overdone. Um, well, then I'll go with my next one. Uh, she uh, has played the game three times, and like I already made her case in Survivor Panama of why she's a social butterfly, I'll go with Sari Fields. Well, she did show some strategy in uh, Fans versus Favorites. I think she is very good at just being social with people and uh, building friendships and, and making people want her to, to last longer and root for her. That's fair. Okay, I'm going to pick another winner who could fit into both categories, but you've done all your women, so... I've only done three women, but... If if this person's in your category, I'm going to be really pissed. And she probably is, because she fits into both. Uh, Danny Boatwright. You can have her. Deal. Okay. I thought Danny was incredibly strategic, also incredibly social. Helps that she went to the final two with Stephanie, but I love Danny. All right. My next person is someone who you had on your male uh, tribe of the last season, someone who I think won another reality show for being very social, and I thought he was also very social on Survivor, and that would be Hayden Moss. I was going to say, who could it be? Yeah. 
But okay. I think I think even more he's more of a social butterfly than than a strategic even. Yeah. I mean he, he's in a good alliance, but it's it, he's always there with people and very likable. And I think that's why he won Big Brother and and part of the reason why he did so well and and uh, Blood versus Water. Okay, my first male is probably a pretty obvious pick for a strategic male, and that is Richard Hatch. Now that he's off house arrest, it's time for him to come back and grace us with his presence on Survivor. Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely a strategic mastermind, and it has been. I think it's been a long time since it's been over like ten years since we've seen Richard Hatch on Survivor. All right, my next person is someone who I think is a very much a social butterfly. Uh, he, his first season. I would say wholeheartedly. His second season, uh, he rubbed some people the wrong way, but I still think he's a very charming guy. And I'm going to go with Jervis Peterson. He is never nervous. Never nervous. He's just sort of a charming, smoothie guy. People naturally like him and do well. I think he got a little too vocal in Blood versus Water, but I still think he's he's very much a social butterfly. Well, and after people saw him being a coconut bandit... <laughs> I don't know if he'll still be as um, as likable. There he, sorry, go ahead. There he was being social to the audience. That's fair. He loves the audience, and the audience loves him. Yep. Okay. My second person, probably another pretty obvious pick, if you're thinking about the most strategic people to ever play Survivor, was really cut short in his second season, um... Probably one of the like most disappointing second appearances in the history of the show, and that's Rob Sesternino. Yep, you got to go with Rob C. Definitely a strategic mastermind. All right, my next person is another person that you had on your uh, male tribe, but I think that he is very good at the social and getting people to like him, and he only failed because he's tried to be strategic, and that blew up in the space. So I'm going to go with Ian Rosenberger. My next male is someone who's, I think, overlooked in this category um, in terms of strategy. People, A lot of people were disappointed with his win, um, because they thought there was another deserving person in the final three, and that's why it was a 4-3-0 vote. Uh, Yul Kwan. Yul Kwan. Very good. Who I would argue maybe had the most strategic use of an immunity idol in the history of the show. Yeah. No, I agree. He's very good. No complaints here. As I move on to my next one, who is someone from an earlier season, and maybe she wouldn't quite fit this now. <laughs> But I'm going with when she was actually on the show and someone that everyone just loved and naturally wanted to see do well, and that would be Elizabeth Falarski, a.k.a. Hasselbeck. I don't know if people would like her as much anymore, but yes, I would agree. Just from her time on Survivor, she was definitely a social butterfly. Yes, I would agree. Was that your last person, or do you have one more? I have Uno Mas. Okay. My second-to-last person is not a winner, but someone who I think played very strategically in his first season and had probably the biggest strategic fumble of his of this season in his second season. And Just I'm talking... Too. Yes, it is, Lex. Talking about him keeping Amber in Survivor All-Stars and that costing him and Kathy the game. Lex Vandenberg, very good. Definitely, I would definitely put him on my list of strategic masterminds. All right, my last person. This is the one I, I'm debating between a couple, but I think I'm going to have to go with... I have a lot of blood versus water here, but you got to go with Tina Wesson. I mean, she's a social butterfly. She's, I love Tina so much. I think she's able to, to talk and charm. I mean, she's very strategic as well. I don't want to take that away from her. But I think if you're naturally, you know, people tend to forget how strategic she was. And just remember, you know, how nice she was. So I think uh, I think she would do well in the social butterfly. My last person is going to be another controversial pick. Um, this person's been dealt a rough hand. I'm talking. It's someone from Survivor Kagan. Been dealt a rough hand, and um, 
I feel like if he if his, he was dealt a more fair hand and uh, he he would do really well in terms of strategy. He's shown he has a good propensity for strategy, uh, but again, people keep flipping on him, and he's still doing really well in the game even with that bad hand. And I'm talking, of course, about Spencer Bledsoe. Spencer's good. I mean, I think uh, Tony's also a pretty strategic this game and, and and everything, so I think he'd be good too, but no, no knock at Spencer. Yeah, he's definitely been at the under an underdog the entire season, but he he's definitely has the smarts to him. Is there anyone from uh, from the social butterflies that you think I have left out? You already said Natalie White. I did, yes. No one that comes off the top. No, I'm I I don't I can't think of someone. Yeah. Now I see that you sort of uh, avoided the more four timers or five timers like your Boston Robs or your Russells or your Parvities. Was that intentional on your part, Jeff? Yes. Okay. So you're not saying that they're not strategic masterminds, but you are trying to add a little diversity to the cast. Correct. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think of any other big strategic masterminds. Uh, a lot of people like Todd from Survivor China. Yeah. Do you have a male or a female left? Oh, we're both done. I'm. We're just recapping. Oh, okay. I thought. I'm sorry. I thought you still had one. No, I was just saying of strategic masterminds. Who who else would people? Yeah, so Todd definitely um, from Street. I think I'd say both strategic mastermind and social butterfly for him. Yeah, I think I think before the finale we would say strategic mastermind. I would say in his final final tribal council he was a social butterfly. Absolutely. Yeah. So he he could go either way. Um, Earl again is someone who is very good at both. I think. Yeah, I, he was almost on my list, but I actually figured you might have him. I figured the same thing. <laughs> so poor Earl. <laughs> Yao Man also um, in that same vein. Yeah, yeah. So lots of good people. Unfortunately, they couldn't make the season. But uh, so those are two future fake casts that uh, Jeff and I did. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, please let us know if oh we snubbed this person or you should have totally had this person. Let us know. You can do that by uh, commenting on our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast, or on our website, SurvivorPodcast.blogspot.com. Yes, and make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes after you search for David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. It'll have the podcast drop onto your computer every single week. There you go. We thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next time with Ben Watchersworth, and we will uh, see talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening and or watching. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.